Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff, the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. That's Kevin Woodley's music. You know it. You love it. He's coming up in just a minute here. Hour three of the Halford and Bruff show is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. Uh, our next guest is from Ingold Magazine and NHL.com. He is also a presentation of White Rock Hyundai. He joins us now, Kevin Woodley, here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Woods? How are we, boys? How, how are we this fine Monday morning after an all-star weekend? Yeah, we're good. Uh, we managed we to... We are dying for real sports. Please give oh, us some. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> uh, we can also drum up some fake controversy. Can you tell us why Thatcher Demko hates Jeremy Swayman? Uh, yeah, um, listen. This is for the very same reasons that he may not have hugged him are the very same reasons that I did not text Thatcher Demko to get to the bottom of this. Attaboy. Um, I get it. There, there may be, like... I know Canucks fans want this to be a Bruins-Canucks thing. Maybe it was a bit. Those things are all possible. But at the end of the day, I think if you know Thatcher a little bit, he's not there to dance for you. Um, the extra stuff to him is extra. And I'll give you, to me, the best example from my perspective is we have, at Ingle Magazine, we sit down and do video reviews with NHL goalies. Like they, they go over their saves. They tell us what they're seeing. They explain their depth decisions, their save selections. It's like how to read the game in the eyes of an NHL goaltender. And it's fantastic. And last year, Thatcher Demko sat down with me and went over video for 45 minutes. And it's some of the most insightful analysis that we've had on the site. Uh, by the way, goalies, you can go subscribe right now. Um, but... When I asked him, because we have other goalies that will show us, every goalie sort of tapes their stick uniquely, and he has he takes the tapes the knob of his stick uniquely. And I once asked him, like, "Hey, would you ever show us how you do it and why?" And like that's the kind of he's like, "Nobody cares. I'm not doing that." <laughs> and that's just you know that's just kind of who he is. And and like so it's a running bit between us. But he's he's never going to do it. I know other guys like a guy that I think is actually at the AHL All Star Game this year. Um, having a great season, second year in the AHL, that actually tapes the knob of his, his stick the exact same way because that's how Thatcher Demko does it. So people do care, but there are just certain things um, that he doesn't care if they care about. And so he can be a little, uh, I'm trying to find the right words here, like he just, he's not going to dance for us. Uh, we've seen in the media at times, and I guess Jeremy, my guess is Jeremy Swayman saw the same thing. He just says, <laughs> he doesn't have time for your nonsense. He's here for hockey. Uh, how much attention have you paid to the trade deadline as it pertains to the goalie market? Because there just seems like it's a constantly evolving one with, you know, teams like in the case of Los Angeles, it's like, well, the goaltending kind of hits the skids and now they fired their head coach. Will they address it? Injuries have propped up and cropped up. And now you're talking about maybe Jacob Markstrom entering the mix as well in Calgary because they seem to be in sales mode. How much attention have you been paying to that facet of the trade deadline, the goaltending angle? Yeah. I mean, a lot, um, in part because it goaltending at the deadline is sort of a, like it's not a lot of teams believe that it can fix things, especially if you wait until the deadline. Like we've yeah. seen more examples of it failing than it succeeding, right? Like, yes, 
the Vegas Golden Knights one with Aiden Hill, who they got for next to nothing off the San Jose Sharks, but he had an entire season to get comfortable. Um, for as much as we laud Jim Rutherford for his early work at the deadline, um, I think teams that have goalie needs or goalie interests uh, are, would, would be best to follow suit and give their goalies enough time to get comfortable behind a new team. And it's not just systems. We've talked about this before. It's not just like the X's and O's, because you can figure that out that pretty quickly. It's tendencies within that. Like, when is my defenseman going to force a player? Is it at the blue line? Is it at the, you know, off the rush? Is it at the blue line? Top of the circles? Is it down near the hash marks? Like, these are the little tendencies that, you know, to go back to those video sessions they do with the NHL goalies, as much as they tell us about you know what hand the pass option is and how he's holding his hands and reading hips and blade angles and all these things that go into reading a play like as maybe more than that is what your defenseman's going to do and so having a goalie go behind a, a new group of defensemen behind a new system get used to their tendencies within that system it takes time and so if you're you know if you're looking to solve a problem and and Listen, like Los Angeles has sagged a little bit defensively, but not nearly as much as their goaltending has. So um, absolutely, I could see them being in the market. Then you better do it early. And so what makes it tough, you're right, is a guy like Jacob Markstrom would answer a lot of people's problems. Um, he's arguably a Vesna candidate the way he's playing this year behind a team that plays pretty loose. Um, and the Calgary Flames appear to be selling. The question is whether Markstrom will be part of that. And if you're a team that wants that answer, I would suggest finding it out now and not closer to March 8th. Um, Kev, the Canucks are going to play the Carolina Hurricanes tomorrow. Their goaltending situation always seems to be yeah. a bit uncertain and that is definitely the case right now now the good news is that frederick anderson was cleared last week to begin on ice workouts again um he had been out since november early november because of a blood clotting issue um he's 34 years old um they've actually you know spencer martin has played a game for the carolina hurricanes um do you expect them to be involved in any trade discussions or is there a guy that you would identify in Carolina right now as the guy that they can rely on going into the playoffs? Because this is a pretty good team. Otherwise they just haven't been able to get over the hump in the playoffs. Yeah, they kind of, they didn't defend at the beginning of the year, the way they typically defend Um, that took a little while to come around, but it has. And the fact that they haven't gone out, that they've sort of looked for, you know, with all due respect, Band-Aid solutions off waivers um, tells me that they they had an inkling Frederick Anderson was coming back because he solves or has the potential to solve a lot of problems for them if that's the case and, and sort of remove these questions. Not only do you get Freddie Anderson back if he's healthy and they, and they trust that he can play the rest of the season, but you slot Auntie Ranta. Like, that's the thing. When Auntie Ranta was a 1B to Freddie Anderson's 1A, he was at times brilliant. Like he was posting really good numbers. As soon as he had to be the one, you know, he ended up in the minor leagues, right? Like there's just something about that role that seems to bring out the worst in him. I, I hate to say it, but I mean it's true. I sort of every time he's asked to be the guy, things haven't gone well. So you, but but as soon as you have Freddie back, he plays really well. So if you think that will return with Freddie's return, you're fine. There's nothing that's going to be better without making a major investment in there. If, if, you know, last I checked, they were up close to the cap too, so it's not like bringing in a Markstrom type. 
um, is is easily done. And also, you know, one of the things that makes Jacob Markstrom's season so remarkable in Calgary is how well he's playing behind a team that plays so loose and keeps him so busy. Like, last I checked, his expected eight, save percentage is like 872 or 874, like one of the lower ones in the league, the lowest for a starter by far. And it's his ability to sort of outperform a bad environment that makes his season so remarkable. Well, it's a totally different environment in Carolina and arguably in, like Los Angeles too. Like, so there are some questions about whether a goalie succeeding the way he is behind a bad team will have the same level of success behind a good team. Mm. In Freddie Anderson, if he does come back healthy and, and everything, all those questions are answered for them, you've got a guy who's comfortable with his environment, has, has played well behind good teams, and again, you sort of up the value of his backup in Ranta. And Kochetkov, as he's gotten more time, to me he's always been way too inconsistent and way too reliant on the sort of goalie nine one one athleticism that he clearly has. Um, but as the year's gone on, he's kind of... He's kind of leveled off a little bit and, and, and played a steadier game. So you could go from sort of wondering who the hell they got to having three decent options, and that's kind of how they've always run, run that franchise, no? The Canucks are in Boston on Thursday, and based on team save percentage, the Bruins are one of the best in the NHL, like the Vancouver Canucks. What do the numbers say? What do the underlying numbers say about how much that is system-related because we all know a team like the Bruins, they have just this reputation for having a certain way that they play. Patrice Bergeron may not be on the team anymore, but his legacy is still there, kind of with Zidane Chara, and you know, you even go back to Claude Julien as the head coach. Um, how much of it is system-related versus the actual goaltending talent of Jeremy Swayman and Linus Allmark? It's both. Um, is it a good environment? Yes. Is it any better than what the Canucks have produced in front of their goalies this season? It, like, it's not, they're similar, right? There are different things within the details in terms of, um, you know, sort of like the micro stats, like what type of chances, but overall, the overall underlying defensive profile is similar. Swayman and Ulmark, for as good as they were even last year, nobody outperformed his environment by a larger margin than Linus Ulmark. Like, he was full value for the Vesna Trophy. Now, is that easier to do behind a predictable system? Absolutely. But again, the whole point of ClearSight Analytics is to measure shot quality. So you get credit when you outperform, you know, even relatively easily, easy defensive environments. And he did at a really high level. And Swayman's done the same thing this year. So, um, you know, the guy that doesn't get enough talk, you know, amidst all the hype that Sandin Clark gets here in Vancouver or Benoit Lair, deservedly so, gets in, in New York is our old friend Sideshow Bob, goalie Bob Essenza. Um, the job he's done coaching there, some of the things that he's instituted in all Mark's game, uh, it, something Linus admitted to me last year, he didn't like during the first year and wasn't even willing to try or go, go all in on that little bit of what they call drift where you sort of, even on a point shot, you'll sort of back up on purpose ever so slightly to give yourself a little bit of backwards momentum, backwards flow in a game where so many pucks end up going east-west, whether it's a fake pass or sorry, fake shot in a pass or a puck off legs, give himself a chance on those plays. Like there's elements to things he teaches that are catching on more and more so around the league. And I don't know that he gets enough credit for it, but in addition to Allmark, uh, in addition to Swayman, they've, they've got Brandon Boosie coming up who, if I remember correctly, was a was a unsigned college free agent signing who's, you know, last I checked, having a hell of a year in the American League, and they're big on him too. So, um, yes, they are a team a lot of goalies would like to play behind. 
but the goalies that are playing behind it have done an exceptional job each of the last two years and are full value uh, in Allmark's case for the awards he gets and in Swayman's case, even though it was probably fan voted, um, for the recognition he gets at the All-Star Game. We are speaking to Kevin Woodley from NHL.com and In Goal Magazine here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Kevin is a presentation of White Rock Hyundai. Hyundai! Hyundai! Hyundai out of Hyundai. my nose. Uh, visit the close, show, close one. Visit the showroom on King George in White Rock or whiterockhyundai.com. I want to do a fun exercise. Let's have some fun. Let's do a fun hey, exercise. About, can I just say that I'm really glad to hear that the Canucks are heading to Boston. I hadn't looked at it on the schedule because now somebody else gets to ask Thatcher to go. Yeah, up. and it's someone on the road, right? So maybe yeah. someone from Boston will do it. Yeah. Exactly. That, that's yeah. a Boston media question. Yeah. I want to I do a fun exercise here, though, with Kev, because uh, over All-Star Weekend, one of the things that the NHL announced was the launch of the Four Nations Tournament. So I thought, hey, let's put Kev on the spot, and we'll go rapid fire, although you get to explain your choice. You're going to name the starting goalie for all four teams at this tournament. I'm going to give you the choices as we go along, okay? So I'll help you out. I'm not going to throw you totally on the spot, okay? We begin with Team Finland. Your options are UC Saros in Nashville, Uko Pekalukkanen in Buffalo, Eunice Corpusalo in Ottawa, and you just mentioned him, Antti Ranta in Carolina. UC Saros, no questions. That's not, yeah, that was a bit of a no-brainer, right? Yeah, okay. I like that you started with an easy one. Thank you. No problem. Okay, we go to Team Sweden. Linus Allmark. Henrik Lundqvist. Who, yeah, we get, the most handsome guy, 100%. <laughs> Linus Allmark, who you just mentioned. Jacob Markstrom, Philip Gustafsson. And then I guess if you want to put him in the conversation, Samuel Erson out of Philly and Jonas Johansson in Tampa Bay. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's clearly Allmark or Markstrom. And this is one where I need to know how you're going to play. You want to go fire wagon hockey, open it up. Uh, give me Jacob Markstrom. But Swedes don't tend to do that. They, they tend to play a more structured, sound system and rely on trying to shut things down. And in that case, I think Linus Allmark might be a better fit. Numerically speaking, there's not really much to choose from between Markstrom and Allmark. Because no, Markstrom, like, like I said, yeah. like legitimately Markstrom is having... He's had a very good year. Yeah, he's, he won't be a Vesna finalist because of where the, the Flames are, but if he keeps this up, he absolutely should be. And again, the interesting thing, though, is even within this, like the underlying context on that is, he is like, it reminds me of when he was here and he had to stop bullets in his teeth because mm-hmm. they were giving up great A's all night. Like He's making these remarkable saves, and then every once in a while, actually not every once in a while, on a higher percentage than most starters in the NHL, a soft one goes in. And I think that's one of the reasons I would pick maybe Elmark on the big stage is because in what's likely to be low-scoring hockey, you can't afford the bad one. We got two left. It's the most difficult and then the most concerning. We'll start with the most difficult, and that's Team USA. Oh, Thatcher God. Demko, Connor Hellebuck, Jeremy Swayman, Jake Ottinger. I mean, there's other guys, too. but those I should the- say you could probably keep going. we probably go seven or eight deep. Like- Joey Decord, Alex Lyon, Jonathan Quick, John Gibson, Charlie Lindgren, Alex Nedeljkovic. We can keep going, but they've got a lot of goalies. But those, are- I would say this is a choice between Demko, Hellebuck, and Swayman, right? Ottinger's not having a tremendous year in Dallas, although he's very good. Yeah, no, it's probably those three. Um, the only, as much as I've I've lauded his work and he's got the right mindset for it and he should totally be an option, um, you know, just because of the nature of the tandem, he doesn't have a ton of experience. Swayman, the only box that gets checked in his favor compared to the other two is puck handling. Um, again, to me, it's a little bit of systems. If your team prevents east-west, Mm-hmm. Nobody's better in straight lines in the world than Connor Hellebuck. Okay, you're going to give up laterals. I want I I want Thatcher Demko and the numbers like like Hellebuck's numbers when you make him go east west. 
They don't quite fall off a cliff, but they're not that far from that. They're better this year than they have been in recent years, but that's the one thing the Jets have always done well in front of him. They prevent lateral plays across the middle of the ice, and it's a key for him. Um, it's not that he's, he's not bad at it, but he's so good at everything else, and he's just sort of average at that. So, um, again, like if we think this is going to be a team loaded with sort of offensive defensemen on the blue line trying to push the pace, but they might give up odd man rushes, that might lean it back towards Thatcher Demko. But pretty much everything else, just from an experience standpoint, um, is probably going to favor Connor Hellebuck. So, finally, Team Canada. Now, I'm just going to read out the eight leading Canadian goalies in terms of wins. It was just the first thing that popped up statistically, but I guess it's a pretty good indication of who the most prevalent Canadian goalies are. Laddie always loves judging goalies based on wins. Well, you know what I mean. Like, it's a good way to filter Nothing, it. Yeah, it's a good I know, filter. But I, know, guy, really. I, know, All that matters. I know what Laddie's going to think. Yeah. Yeah, do, should, should I tell you who's, who is going to be before we do this? Yeah, do You it. know yeah. what? I don't even have to read the like, list. Go for it. Well... I was I was actually going to say Jordan Bennington because I just love having this argument. Okay, I'm just trying to like this just creates a great debate. Yeah, uh, I guess Aiden Hill's in this conversation as yeah, well. But again, he is. man, you better you better you better be defending. Again, it's not like about great defense; it's how you defend, and you better be on the same page with that. Because if he you get open looks in the middle of the ice, uh, sort of top of the hash marks, it's not even in tight where everybody else scores. Um, he's very gettable. Vegas just doesn't give that up. No. So um, Bennington to me is actually the, probably the as much as Hill's numbers are spectacular for can't a year and it. a half now. I can't do it. I'm sorry. Benner's on a heat. Benner, Benner, Benner at the start of the year, just absolute heater, showed what he's capable of when he's rested. So, um, yeah, those two would be my pick. Kev, are, on Who paper, else we got? Kev, on paper, are the Americans the better team? Probably. Yeah, I think they I mean, I haven't done the exercise beyond the goaltending, but, man, like, like, when you look at the goaltending itself, and that's the thing, though, like, Bennington is capable of playing at that level. Hill showed last year, for all the talk about how good they were defensively, and I just said it myself, the reality is the level he played at in the postseason, if you did it over the course of a season, would win a Vezna. And guess what? He's actually doing better than that this year. He's just been hurt. So, um, and actually, that is a fair point. Hill's inability to stay healthy is, is real at this point. It's not just this year. And so you, if you're going to take him, you better make sure you have Bennington in the chamber because there's a chance you need him. Can I, you imagine if this Four Nations tournament doesn't come down to a final between Canada and the U.S.? Yeah. The NHL is going to be like, ah, oh, this was a mistake. Yeah. We should have only had the Americans and the Canadians. Okay, okay Kevin, I do want to throw out one name for the Canadian goalie because he— Give me a lane. Because I, I, I'll be honest, the top, I can't even off the top of my head name eight that I would consider that quality. Stuart Skinner. Oh uh, yeah, you know what? That's that's an oversight on my part. He's mm-hmm. played really well, but again, um, you know, I know the you're team Canada. You're not going to play like the Oilers did at I the know. start of the season. But it's hard for me to get that out of my head. I, I need to see a playoff run this year. I thought some teams targeted some very specific things on Stewart in the playoffs last year, and there was exposure. Let's see if that exposure continues or if he settled it down this time. The, the eight for the purposes of this conversation are here. We go. <laughs> Stuart Skinner, Connor Ingram, Jordan Binnington, Logan Thompson, Cam Talbot, Tristan Jari, Scott Wedgwood, and Aiden Hill. That's the eight. Okay. There's another name on there that you're going to laugh at, um, and he wouldn't be in my top three right now, but he has the capability of it. Uh, like Connor Ingram's underlying numbers, and this is the reason I, you know, when I talked to the reporter in Arizona, Craig Morgan, 
when they needed a goalie last season, I said, this is the guy you go get off waivers. Like, he's just constantly produced really... Sometimes it looks like he's playing goal, like it's sort of that Tim Thomas, not style-wise, but it just looks like an unmade bed, like it's not the cleanest thing. But the numbers he produces are consistently great. So uh, he, he could be a sleeper candidate. He, I think if you check save percentages, like since the calendar year uh, 2003 started, like he might be like top five, top ten in the entire league. Okay. Anybody else? No, that's like that's, that's. I'm actually surprised. You in a junior right now? Like yeah. promising. <laughs> Call off the goaltending convention. I found four. I'm not even like I scrolled all the way down. I'm like, could we get emotional support for Mark Andre Fleury? Like, could he be? Could he be like, wow, it's hey, such a good story? Hey, trade de- we started this with trade deadline. <laughs> yeah. Fleury's underlings are not bad, and like I would normally be touting him. Like he's a good depth option. Should the Oilers abs? Like he is way better than his raw numbers would indicate this season. But last year's playoffs. After an, a season similar in Minnesota where these numbers were really good, and I'm like, everybody's sleeping on this guy, and then he gets in on the second end of back-to-backs and just absolutely looks like old flurry, super aggressive out of position. It's like, uh, I just I don't know that I can go to that well, especially on the international. It'd be a hell of a story. The narrative in me, the narrative writer guy in me loves it, but yeah. the analyst, analytics guy in me says sorry. See, this is why I'm excited about the return of international competition. These conversations are great. Kev, thanks for doing this, bud. We really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. We'll do this in not one, but two weeks' time. Sounds good, guys. Thank you. That's uh, Kevin Woodley, a presentation of White Rock Hyundai here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, it's uh, this is what I love about it. This is why when people were pushing back earlier, and I didn't... Now, here's the thing. I did not see, and I wasn't, granted, I wasn't paying super close attention, but I did not see a huge backlash on social media or otherwise mm-hmm. about this Four Nations tournament. Did you? No. I wasn't on social media much this week. Right. Maybe that was it. Did you guys, yeah. A-Dog, Laddie, did you see people openly complaining about the format or the fact that it's only Four Nations or anything? Not really. Okay. Yeah. So maybe it's yeah. just... I don't uh, think it got a lot of attention this week. Which weekend. is weird because I, I yeah. mean, maybe it's our fascination with international competition. No, I don't think so. I don't um, know. I mean, they did have uh, a special media avail. Uh, Pedersen, I think, represented represented Sweden in that media avail. And, yes. you know, McDavid was there for Canada. Um, but neither of those guys are going to say anything particularly inflammatory. Um, you know, I think... Uh, I think this is going to get interesting again as, first of all, what it is by itself, and we're going to be able to go through the rosters and pick out rosters and the bubble players are always, you know, exciting to talk about or at least interesting to talk about. You know, you go back the years, I remember it's like, should Mike Camilleri be on Team Canada? Oh, that wow. sort of stuff, right? Remember Mike when the, Camilleri pulled. Remember when uh, Kunitz made the team uh, in, in yeah. Sochi just because, you know, he's Sid's line mate. And there was, that, there was yeah. that theory out there like Sid isn't easy to play with or something. So you get a guy that he has guaranteed chemistry at any rate like story i mean that's a decade old story now right but you're gonna have that um you're gonna have should Connor bedard be on team canada something like that yeah. and, and we've we've had that before i believe with was it sid on one of the olympic teams that did he not make one of the olympic teams was he available 
No, no, no. He he made that team. Sorry. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he was, he was on that. My bad. No, no, no. Maybe 2006. It was, <laughs> it was Torino. 2006. He was a rookie. It was him and Eric Stahl. That they were like, these are the guys are the bright young stars. Right. Right. And then yeah, they took yeah. Todd Bertuzzi. And they uh, went they went with the vets. So yeah. you'll have those types of conversations again. But um, it it I think it also really is going to serve as an appetizer for the Olympics because whoever wins the Olympics, you know, wins this current era of of hockey yeah. like these four nations things will be interesting but only as you know in itself it'll be interesting if the americans have i would almost like this sounds weird but i kind of want the americans to win this four nations tournament and then canada to come back and win the olympics like you know how it usually goes for the women's like yeah. the the american women will not all the time uh, the American woman will win like the worlds, but they then Canada. Back and forth. But no, but no, but it'll be more. The Americans will win the worlds, right. and then the Canadians will clutch up at the Olympics. Yeah, it goes. Yeah, you know like I mean? it alternates. No, like, it doesn't world, always. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't always play out like that. Um, but typically it has, and then you can be like, yeah, 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 enjoy your world, or you can just be like, enjoy your four nations championship. Well, we're just going to wear gold medals from the Olympics again. Tim in Vancouver pointing out uh, Rob, Rob Zamner. Zamner. Yeah, yeah Zamner. 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 Rob Zamner. He's from Oakville, Ontario, okay? Yeah. I think I know. It was Zamner. 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 No, yeah, that, that was the 98. It was, it was Rick Zombo. And, Rick Zombo. And, and Rob, Rob Zombo. Stop getting your Rob Zombo. Zed names yeah. mixed up. Yeah. Um, he was the regular guy. He was the surprise selection in 98, and then he scored right away in that tournament, thereby validating his selection. But, yeah, there's always one or two. And it's great because they go down in, like, uh, hockey lore because those selections, I go back to this, most of these guys haven't gone through that kind of selection process since junior, right? Like, I mean, how many guys in the NHL get cut from anything? Never. They're on the team. Yeah, and the guys that get cut are, like, fringe players. Zamner's a career-high 37 points, though, as a forward. He makes the Olympic team because he was so defensive, right? He, yeah. was, he was responsible defensive. Okay, get your what we learned. And don't forget, uh, if you want to be involved in the contest, best what we learned for Rugby Sevens tickets, um, use the Canadian flag emoji to send in your what we learned into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Reserve your spot for the big football party at the Clayton Public House, hosted by Sportsnet 650. Visit theclaytonpub.com for more. Clayton Public House, good food, good people, good times. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People Show with Big Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. Hey, Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. 
Uh, we are foregoing all of our what we learned. I will say I learned that A-Dog is back after a lengthy absence last week. Not McRib related. That McRib really did him in. Can confirm, right? Well, I'm assuming that it's not McRib related. I'm not entirely sure. I feel like I'm looking into this. McDonald's has deep pockets. If you can get them, just <laughs> yeah. get a settlement. Yeah. Uh, so if you, I don't know. It, I got COVID and ate the McRib at the same time. I'm not saying they're connected, but I'm not saying they're not. <laughs> if you missed really all of January's programming, Andy spent an inordinate amount of time previewing the McRib's return to Canada. Then went out and ate Mc, is it McRib singular or plural? I ate a McRib. Good. Um, and, and then, then I, I contracted COVID. <laughs> he ate one McRib and missed multiple days. <laughs> <laughs> Two things that I'm sure are completely unrelated. And then I'll add, the algorithm got to me because my all my social media was then geared towards McRibs. I'm like, why is there so many different posts of influencers trying McRibs? I saw one, and <laughs> this girl must have gone to either the laziest or the sloppiest McDonald's on the planet. The, the, she showed the McRib, and I was like, that is in eight different parts. Yeah. It is a deconstructed McRib. None of it is together. Yeah. And it, was, it looked like an unholy mess. Was yours an unholy mess? It's a little messy. Yeah. yeah. That's part of the experience. And overall, how did you, like, let's remove the unfortunate illness afterwards. How did you like the actual experience? It tasted good. Okay. I mean, it tasted like what you would expect a McDonald's burger trying to do a rib sandwich would taste like. Okay. It wasn't altogether terrible. What a glowing endorsement. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's it's it was it was it was it fine. tasted good. Said a dog. Yeah, it was it was a solid six out of ten. Okay, they're gonna put it underneath the golden arches. <laughs> McRib is back. It tasted good. Dash a dog. Anyway, okay. I'm glad you're back. Mook out that pork. Uh, let's go. Fire the dot matrix right away. You know. Uh, what we learned, Humanoid Edition is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at GetFirePlan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! We begin with the winners, or winner, sorry, of the one pair, so two tickets, to the three-day tournament. A full pass. <laughs> my God. What? One winner to the... Two, one, two tickets two, to one, the three-day. Three. One winner gets two tickets to the three-day tournament. Don't do what Donnie don't It's does. simple, folks. <laughs> How many tickets did I win? How long is this tournament? Uh, congratulations to Bob Collins, which sounds like a drink. What we learned, Team Hughes drafting Frank Vetrano instead of Elias Lindholm shows you who the players really wanted. Okay, this was funny, but also wildly inaccurate. Yeah. Um, so uh, I appreciate Bob's um, ability to stir it up. He but made us laugh. Here's how it really went out, went down. Um, the Canucks, like JT Miller was still on the board, yeah. right? I think he was the final player selected by the teams. But he wasn't the final player issued, if you will. Right. And then there were four remaining players after JT Miller was chosen by Team Hughes. And um, then they were just randomly allotted to the teams, and Vetrano went to Team Hughes. So they didn't right? actually draft him. He was foisted upon them, but they were happy with it. I and think. I think uh, Lindholm went where he went, maybe because Tate McRae was the celebrity uh, captain of that team. That's right, and Jason. She's from Calgary. Big, big Flames fan. Okay. Did you get? Did you catch her musical performance? Anybody? Anyone see Tate McRae's musical performance? No. Was it good? Anyone? I don't. I didn't see it. I, I don't watch it. that nonsense. No. Uh, anyway, 
Uh, kudos to that's Bob Collins. Yeah, you will be going to the Rugby Sevens. Enjoy. That's February twenty third, twenty fifth. I, I, I was a little surprised that they didn't take Lindholm like early on, just as a just as a statement. But it's also who cares? It is who cares. <laughs> but also, like the more I think about it, I'm like, but why? Like, why would you not draft him first overall? Because if it's a who cares, then who cares? Make the guy feel awesome. Like, I think it would have been way funnier if they hadn't selected JT Miller. That would have been funny. The, like, can you imagine if they were just like, yeah, you know, we only got one pick left. JT Miller's still there, but Frank Vitrano. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like but the hockey players but, but really, never have I don't, no they, personality. But they, they really got to play it up, though. An obvious choice. We saved him best for last. Our good buddy going with us all the way. Frank Vitrano. <laughs> yeah. Like, wouldn't that the spotlight be on JT hilarious? Miller slowly moves to Vitrano. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but the hockey players just like they they, they, can't all, do they it. always do the safe stuff. Yeah. You know? It would have even been and it would have been so funny, especially and I bet JT would have appreciated them having like He probably would have gotten a laugh at yeah, it. Yeah. And then he would have yelled at them. Yeah. He would have been like, hey, oh, it would have even been be a fun practice on Monday. <laughs> moderately, moderately, and I stress the word moderately funny if they had actually traded for Lindholm. At the because then they could have been ah, it's like and traded I, Miller for yeah, him, right? Just done, or <laughs> yeah. just something, and then and PD being like, I really wanted him out of here. Yeah, <laughs> he's very stroking. He's his, God. He's just he has a big temper and he makes fracture the room, in the room. Like, don't you think that would be fun? It'd be uh, fun. So they didn't do it. Okay, so we've already fired up the dot matrix. Kudos to Bob Collins. Here we go. Uh, this one is unsigned. It came in bright and early. I got to read it. It's a long one, too. Hashtag WWO, what we learned unsigned. So it's from Gary. Gary is apparently a, a, a Los Angeles Chargers fan. <clears throat> After Friday's show, I learned that my favorite sports talk personality, Jason Bruff, is now my mortal enemy. Also, Jason Bruff. Jason Bruff went out of his way to actively root against the Chargers, and that is very unbecoming of the sad club commish because the Chargers are clearly a solid candidate for the club. <laughs> Could this be a bit of sour grapes as Harbaugh wouldn't even take a meeting with the sad and sorry Seattle Seahawks? Oh, and Seahawks fans, just a heads up, as someone who just lived through three years of the last quote-unquote Sean McVay of defense, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't turn out so well. So I forgot that that was Brandon Staley's uh, <laughs> moniker because not only was he the Sean McVay of defense, he was Sean McVay's defensive coordinator. Yeah. With the Rams. Mm -hmm. Now, he only spent one year there. Uh, Mike McDonald had multiple years in Baltimore, but that's a really good text. And so the reason, if you missed this late on Friday, and that's fair enough, because Friday was a really busy show. Mm -hmm. uh, Tom McClellan got fired. We had Rick Tockett on the show. There was a lot going on. We slipped in the we don't like Jim Harbaugh thing because we were talking about his introductory presser. And he was like, uh, I want to win multiple titles here. We plan to win multiple titles here. And then his second comment is, we're going to be humble. Yeah, it was odd. And yeah. he was he's just a weird dude. He was fanboying. He's a good coach, though. Yeah, we'll see how it works. I was also saying, like, they were 5-12 and 12 last year. They're, they they got were, a long way to go. Yeah. Uh, Juan from Comox, what I learned, going from almost not being a host city to having seven games, cannot wait for the 2026 World Cup, how expensive do you think tickets are going to be? Great question, because you could get a real dog of a game there, right? Uh, are there going to be any dogs of a game dude, at the World Cup? Just, dude, just, just with 48 teams just, going? Yeah, but just... There's going to be like Tahiti against Uganda? I, I know, but like, they'll all be sold out. They'll all be sold out. So, And it'll be, it'll be a spectacle, and I think for a lot of people just checking off like, 
I went to the World Cup. Right. Like, I'm jo- okay. will, will be pretty cool. Um, tickets don't go on sale until next year, by the way. I'm joking about Tahiti and, yes, and Uganda. they will be expensive. Yes, I'm joking about... You can start lighting them now, though. I'm, joke, I'm joking about Tahiti and Uganda making it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but there are going to be teams that really would never have had a shot of being in a World Cup in the 32-team format that are yeah. going to get to go. Are there three more CONCACAF teams that are yeah, going to go, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're yeah. going to get down to the teams in CONCACAF where you're like, this isn't great. Um, well, a lot of them have already... I mean, Jamaica's already been to a World Cup. Costa Rica's already been to a yes. World Cup. Trinidad Lots of them have qualified. Already, yeah. But they qualify. But they're like Canada. They've done it once or twice. And they've done it with the sort of either golden generation or a good team. Like mm-hmm. the team that, the, the Trinidad and Tobago team that Canada's going to play to get into the Gold Cup. Like it is not a golden generation. Copa gener- America. Copa America. That is not a golden generation. For- well, it better, Canada better beat them then. I just want to add on one more thing here, though. And if you don't like soccer talk on the Halford and Bruff show, uh, assuming we last till the 2026 yeah, World Cup, that, and there's no. That's, that's 50 50. I would best. not put a lot of money on that. Here's what's coming up this year. So this summer, uh, North American football 2024, Copa America held exclusively in the United States. So 14 different stadiums across the U.S., you get one of the great international tournaments being played. 2025 is the revamped FIFA Club World Cup. And that is actually a huge tournament now because they're going to the old FIFA World Cup format. There's 32 club teams going. Yeah. And that's being played exclusively in the U.S. And then in 2026, Canada, U.S., and Mexico have, you know, the actual World Cup. Mm -hmm. So that Club World Cup is weird, man. You got teams from, you got teams like Man City playing like teams from New Zealand. Oh yeah, look at some of the teams it's that are silly. gonna and look at some of the teams that are gonna make it out of CONCACAF. Yeah. Like there's gonna be like a very run of the mill MLS team that's gonna mm. be going. And you're just kinda like, well, have fun. Isn't that uh, a waste of time for Man City? It grows their brand. I guess. Yeah. It really does. I mean, look, it's we're both like skeptics and you know, we can be a bit caustic when it comes to analysis. Like the next three years is clearly clearly designed with the Messi coming to MLS yeah. to make the game in U.S. in in North America bigger than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Like, we are talking about a, a takeover of if soccer's coming to the U.S., and this is going to be way different than 94 with the World Cup. This is... 94 was, like, step one in all this. We are talking three consecutive years of the biggest global events happening right here in North America. Did you read about this stuff, and it makes me nervous... For Vancouver, when, I told you when Messi, I told you, and Inter Miami comes to uh, BC Place. Um, so Inter Miami's doing this global tour, it's and eight, apparently yeah. they they've been through a bunch of places, and they went to Hong Kong to play a local club side there, and Messi and Suarez mm-hmm. didn't play at all, and the Hong Kong government came out and was like. <laughs> This like we want answers, and you know, thousands of people went there to watch Messi specifically. They're not like they don't care about Inter Miami. They, they the, don't care the, about their the local government. Team. Is like, livid. The government yeah. dropped two million in grants to get Inter Miami there to play this match. Right, and yeah, all yeah. the pre uh, tickets were going for approximately six hundred US, and then all apparently. All the pre-match hype was surrounded around Messi's going to play. And then he took the warm-up and just sat there. And I guess we got to remember, like, he's, what, 36 now? Yeah. Like, he's going to have these nagging injuries. So just fingers crossed for... 
the fans that have already bought tickets, um, and I've heard stories that people, you know, they, they even bought Whitecaps season tickets just to make sure that they had access to those Inter-Miami, like, Inter-Miami tickets. Hopefully, Messi plays. Like, even if he, like, I think he played a game in Saudi Arabia was that against Ronaldo's side? Where yeah, they, and then he, they, they played he, another match. No, 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 but they yeah. lost that game 6-0, and he came off for like he came on for like seven minutes. Yeah, and the previous match he played, mm-hmm. and I saw the caliber of what Inter Miami was trotting out there, and it was awful. They had been because it's it's they're, they're these it's very difficult to do. Like they're treating them like the Globetrotters. Right. You know, it's like, well, pack up. Or remember the yo yo team and the Simpsons? Like we have eight other shows we have to yeah. do today. Get in the van. Yeah, that's what Inter Miami feels like right now uh joe in smithers what we have learned joe says i just jumped out of the shower to text this so you better read it i don't like the idea of anyone listening to our show while they're in the shower but joe texts in the americans are scary for sure we're talking back to hockey here but we have rick talkett for a head coach and he's the type of guy we need to win. I wonder how much... Talkett has absolutely entered the chat for Team Canada. Mm-hmm. I mean, I st- At least as an assistant. Yeah. I still think it's John Cooper as the leader. Right. But uh, someone did... Po- Sorry, do, do you want to jump in there? No, you're talking about like, the longest tenured coaches? No, no, no. Uh, just, in, the, just the leading candidate. I'd say Cooper based on tenure. Oh, for Canada. Yeah, for Canada. Yeah, yeah. But Talkett is the hottest. He's so hot right now. He's the hottest <laughs> so coach hot. in Canada. Um, someone texted in earlier, are they going to require it be NHL coaches for this tournament? Because Sweden and Finland, they obviously don't have any head coaches. And my first gut reaction was to say yes, because there is an NHL coaches association. Like they have, It's not a union or anything, but they have their own group. I'm sure they have. Could they not get someone like Claude Julien or someone well, who's no. not coaching currently? So Tuomo Rutu, who's a Finn, is an assistant coach in Florida. So that kind of makes sense. And Alfie's an assistant coach in Ottawa. So mm-hmm. that, I mean, they've got options. There's mm-hmm. not a ton of European assistant coaches employed right now, but I think that right there, I just named two that would be totally viable guys that could lead the charge. Robin Surrey, what we learned, what I've learned is that beggars can be choosers after all. The vast majority of hockey fans have been yearning, yearning, there's a word I like, yearning. for best on best for nearly a decade. Now that we've been granted it for next February, a bunch of hockey fans can be heard uttering the phrase, oh, but not like that. Well, it's two-pronged because not only does the international competition uh, satiate our need for international competition, it also means that there's no All-Star game for two years, which is awesome because I can't do this again. Uh, Unsigned what we learned. This is a great question. What we learned. Vancouver is going to host a round of 16 World Cup match. Is that the single largest event of all time in Vancouver. Great question. So right now we've got the gold medal final. In hockey. Hockey, 2010, Canada-US. Is, is, is hockey as popular as soccer in the world? No. I feel like it might not be. No. Uh, it struggles in the warmer climates. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, depending who's in that game, or maybe not even depending who's in that game, I can't think of another event that's going to get the TV viewership that that game would. It's a round of 16 match. It's a big deal, <laughs> right? That's where... Like, could that be in the billions of people uh, watching that game? Viewership-wise? Yeah, yeah. Well, especially if you hit it out of the park and you get like a... a, a imagine if you yeah. get a, I don't know, uh, England, England, Argentina. Argentina yeah. Right? Uh, Portugal, Argentina. That's hilarious how we both went to that. Yeah. England, Argentina. Ar- but Portugal, Argentina. Imagine if you got a... And again, who knows how the group shake out, but imagine if you had... Uh, a Ronaldo-led Portuguese squad to go, who knows if he's even going to feature in the squad at that point. It's so mm-hmm. far out. Let's say, hypothetically, you had 
a Ronaldo Messi Portugal Argentina match in the round of 16. Let's yeah. say it happened. Mm-hmm. The numbers would be off the charts. It would be one of the most watched sporting events period ever. Now, what are the other England's ones? still got to qualify. All these teams still got to qualify. England, I mean, they should. I think UEFA's got 16 spots, but there's more than 16 quote unquote good teams in Europe. And oh, remember, everyone, 19... from, everyone from Europe gets to go. I think the Isle of Man gets to go. Is well, there will be there will be one or good, two. There will be one or two big teams yeah. that I mean, not maybe not big, but like a Switzerland or an Austria that won't won't qualify. Um, of course, England did not qualify for 1994, that and that was a big very deal. upsetting. Yeah. Uh, so the other big, obviously, the 1954. Uh, British Empire Commonwealth Games with the famous Landy Bannister Mile, right? That's a famous Vancouver. Mm-hmm. They've got a statue to it. Yeah. Um, I, and then it's funny. If you do the Google, uh, unfortunately, the 2014 Heritage Classic pops up. <laughs> and I mean, it's, yeah. I remember it. I know you remember it, right? All goalies remember it. But outside of that, like it was... Is that the? I hate. It was a spectacle for everything but the game. Is it the worst outdoor game that's ever been played? I don't know. I don't know if the NH go to NHL.com. I don't know that they have a list of the worst ones. There've been some that rained though, right? Where they've had to postpone it for a bit. I feel like those ones may have been a little. But there was like outside of the controversy with Luongo and Lack and Torts, like. It was Vancouver and Ottawa who have no history whatsoever. Yeah. They were trying to like, re- this is a rematch of the 1908 yeah. or whatever Stanley Cup final where the millionaires won. Are we missing anything else? Years. Text in. Dunbar Lumber text line. Is I think it would be the biggest single event. Because a World Cup round of 16 game, correct me if I'm wrong here, would get more viewership than any single event at the Winter Olympics. Oh, yeah. Even like the opening ceremonies or whatever, or oh, yeah. the gold medal hockey game. Right. Because at that point, you're talking about you've. I mean, with- how many people in Europe or Asia or Africa were watching Canada versus the U.S. in the gold medal game? You know? No. Yeah, like no. Seven, Have you not seen the clip people? of all the different languages calling the golden goal? That's calling it. At least a dozen of them. It. Yeah. No, I know. They're all watching. I was anyway. gonna try and I was gonna try and pull up the, the final sixteen teams. I, I, from I'm just really games. excited for it, and, and and honestly, with with seven games in yeah, at BC Place in Vancouver, and then six down the road in Seattle, like it's not just you don't have to just be at the game. There will be public viewing areas. It's going to be a really fun time, and hopefully, they handle the public viewing areas better than they did in 2011. Now nah, you got a good blueprint there. <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here for now, but we will be back tomorrow. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. There's a huge butt coming.